Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. I am here for so many reasons. I'm here for the chocolate and the wine, no doubt. Um, as I was leaving the house, the kids were frantically looking for all of their appropriate baseball gear. And you know what? I can be as strategic as I know how to be about the baseball belt, and it will always inevitably find itself into a secret nook in our home that no one knows about. And so I just gave my husband a cheery ta-ta and told him that I would come here and ask y'all to pray about the baseball belt. So Lord, if you could please produce the belt, amen. Um, I am also certainly here for the music. It is such a rich, rich blessing to be able to participate in that beauty, even though I have zero gifts for it, because you, sweet girls, have so boldly shared your gifts. Thank you so much. Um, I'm also here to commemorate and step into celebrating our upcoming adoption by having my sweet friend from Noonday here. Thank you so much. Andrea has been asking me for, has it been years? I think it's years. If she could host something for me and I've never quite been ready. She has been patient and persistent, just like the Lord. So thank you for showing me Jesus, Andrea. Um, If I can, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Um, our adoption story, a little bit of background. Seth and I um, got married a little bit later than most of our friends, and so we started trying to have a baby right away, and it wasn't working, and it wasn't working, and it wasn't working. And after many trips to the doctor, they told us that conceiving the good old-fashioned way simply was not going to work for us. And so I took on the role of cheerleader. Forget it. I said, we're adopting. And you know what? It's going to be beautiful. This is a gift. Not everyone gets to build their life this way. Not everyone gets to build their family this way. And so with that cheering and the distraction of a new plan, I became a filling in the blank, checking the box, running off copies machine, trying to get our paperwork in order. Because I wanted a baby and I wanted a baby bad. I wanted to get on with the rest of our lives after the frustration of the last several years. I wanted to slide past our soft spots surrounding all that we had been through and just get on with it. I wanted a family. And then one month into the paperwork, we found out we were pregnant. We were shocked. So I threw myself into that pregnancy. I kicked my feet up and I ate Taco Bell and Twizzlers for 10 months straight. And then we had another baby right after that. And then another baby right after that. And then another baby right after that. And I don't say that irreverently. We recognize the gift. In a small way, I can understand the heartbreak of infertility and family planning and miscarriage and the desperation, the irresistible urge we feel as women to nurture A feeling that when expressed and done well makes us feel like everything is right in the world in a small way, I know. But what I also know, ladies, is that it is desperation 
that best showcases our Lord's work. In my spiritual life, I have found that sometimes God will allow me out to my farthest edge to just pull me right back in, sometimes bringing me from death to life. And even though I'm at my edge, it ends up being a blessing because I get to see the extent of His power. After we had our babies in rapid succession, people would ask us, do you think you'll still adopt? And the Lord had been keeping his toe in the door. A friend I deeply admired opened her, home, opened her home to two older children and blogged honestly about the glorious mess of it. On our medical mission trip the first year, there was the five-year-old at the children's home we would visit. Her name was Maria Jose. Her eyes were identical to my firstborn's, except in a Honduran body. And then our second year there, there was the woman who... <clears throat> found the apartment that we were staying in, and she knocked on the door and she begged me to take her baby. She put her in a frilly dress that morning. It was white with yellow ruffles. I suppose to make her pretty, because maybe then the white lady would take her and give her what she needed. Adoption did seem like a reasonable way to say thank you for the things that we never even thought to pray for, never even dreamed. So when people would ask us again, we would answer, Probably, but the truth was that I wasn't sure. Now, with a house full of happy, healthy, beautiful children, adoption didn't seem exciting anymore. It had crossed over from exciting to terrifying. But one day, while on a run, I hate to run, so the Lord always has my full attention the entire time I run and I pray I don't die. He told me, Allison, you cannot say, God, you can have this. And you can have this, and you can have this. But you cannot have this. This is mine. Kindly and gently, God reminded me that nothing is mine. and Everything is his. He's got this. And so with that new revelation, we dove in. And I don't mean to make that sound swift because it hasn't been. We started our process years ago. We've pulled our paperwork. We've started completely over. I've tried to back out a million times because of fear and insecurity and idolatry. And the Lord, who is so kind in mercy, inevitably sends one of his sweet people to encourage us when we are down or to help us with our existing family when things seem unbearable and we wonder what in the world we've gotten ourselves into. And in that way... Here's what I want y'all to know is that it feels like a million people have helped to bring this baby home together, working together, one body in Christ. And that brings me to another reason that I'm here, which is unity. Maybe you haven't noticed, maybe you have, I guess I kind of hope that you haven't, but there are many, many different churches represented here tonight. Church of Christ, Methodist, Baptist, non-denominational, Catholic, Presbyterian, Episcopalian. And I know that I'm missing some, but it's not because you aren't appreciated. Let's listen to what Jesus prayed right before going to the cross. This is from the book of John. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me 
and have loved them even as you have loved me. All believers are the called of God. And our calling is to respond to what we have become in Jesus Christ, one. And Jesus tells us that if we do that, then the world will know. And the world needs Jesus, ladies, let's face it. They need hope and forgiveness and mercy and redemption. They need their shame taken. They need their hearts healed. They need their wounds bound. They need a reason for living in a promise and dying in a seat at his heavenly table. We have to share this good news together. So what I dream for us, for the ladies that have come together in this room tonight, is that we keep our doctrines and we get into the weeds of them on Sunday with people who think like us. What a beautiful thing. But Monday through Saturday, ladies, let's get together and high five to the glorious facts that Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus rose and Jesus lives. And let's let his love trump everything else and become so big that everything else shrinks to its proper proportion. And let's link elbows and turn this world inside out and upside down with the radical kindness of our Savior. It's easy to think that unity is something that has to happen despite our differences. Oh, you baptize babies this way and we baptize babies this way. But for a moment, let's just put that aside and let's join together anyway. I say we take it one step further than that, friends. I don't think unity is something that happens in spite of diversity, but instead instead is something that happens because of diversity. It is our wonderful differences which, when properly equipped, contribute to a functioning body and take it to an even deeper level of maturity. Only as each part works in the way that it is strong can our whole body grow. And unity matters. It's a big deal. Paul harps on it. It was some of Jesus' last pieces of advice to us. God brought together two formerly hostile groups, Jews and Gentiles, and made them into one new man, establishing peace. So let's get some work done, ladies, in his name, for his glory, to build his kingdom. Because who's going to do it? Is it our our government that's going to light up the dark corners of this world? Is it our government that's going to feed the hungry and save the sex trafficked and take care of the orphans and teach their moms a trade so that they can feed their babies and ruffles? Please, ladies, it's his church. But we need each other to answer the call. And we aren't strong enough on our own. Your church is good at this. And my church is good at this. And we need each other. We cannot stand inside the smallest concentric circle that we think is the most right and only commune with the people who affirm who we already are. We don't grow that way. The world is never, ever set ablaze. We could never be the city on the hill. We will never be known by our love. And I don't mean to yell at you, but I feel so strongly about this. When I think about how sin has snuck in and divided us, when I think about how crafty an enemy who often manipulates good things uses those good things against us. I think about that and I know that it's true in my own life. I see it. I see how I have been judgmental. I see how I have let my own beliefs about what I think is pure or spirit-filled to allow me to look down on other Christian groups. I've done it. And I have developed a pride in my church's distinctiveness. Maybe you have too. 
And maybe that's not so bad, but if we can feel ourselves looking down on other believers, wondering why they aren't doing things exactly our way, prideful, so prideful. Our pride, ladies, it should be in Jesus Christ and his spirit working freely in our midst. When we glory in Jesus Christ, that's when true humility happens. That's when we can appreciate each other and then fully ask questions. Tell me, tell me more about why you take communion that way. So, I was thinking about all of this. What do we do? We're bad at this, I get it, I see it, I'm convicted, but what do I do? You wanna know what I think we do? I think we worship the Lord together. So I'm gonna invite Reagan back up here and we're gonna belt it out to the heavens as one body, loud and proud for all the right reasons. One church, one in the spirit. Here we go. From the book of 1 Corinthians. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. This is my friend Lisa. We've been friends for two years. She is as dynamic on the other side of the couch as she is on a stage. She speaks with thunder and brings a little bit of heaven to my earth as we search perfectly united in mind and thought. Hi, Lisa. Hello. So we had to leave our cozy little nook and snug. Yes. On the historic, in the historic district, on the square. We were so snugly up in that little room, but we got tired of yelling over coffee grounds. Yes. So. <laughs> We're sitting here in your car. Yes, this is a fancy way to do a podcast. But we got a cute view of downtown McKinney. Yes, don't we, we do. I'm still feeling the atmosphere. Um, so we have been friends for two years. Like, kind of exactly, yeah. right? About. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Is it? So Lisa and I met at our my 20th year high school reunion because I went to high school with her husband. And we found each other. I don't even know. Do, I don't know. You just looked really cute in your skirt. Oh. Your skirt was so. I tell you what, cute. I like all of a sudden felt like I was back in high school that night. You did? Uh huh. Where, like, I'm immediately regretting my outfit. <laughs> like, I walked out of the car and was like, I have like this blazing zit on my chin and I hate my you outfit. Did? <laughs> totally. I didn't oh, it was, yeah. I and didn't... then. It only took about five minutes, and I was like, better. I'm okay. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, so I just remembered I was 40, is what happened. Oh, or 38, okay. whatever. See, I didn't go to my 20-year high school reunion. I went to my 10-year high school reunion. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready then. You weren't? Mm-mm. Wasn't over it. Well, I had such a horrible experience with my 10-year high school reunion. I didn't go to my 20. Oh. Because you want to know what I did? Mm. I um, was wanting to be pregnant. We were, we were trying to get pregnant, and we couldn't get pregnant. I probably shouldn't say this. But it's just, you know, hey. a stupid fail. Um, but I, it was the time when those A-line a shirts were in, where they were right under the... Right oh, under sure. The, An empire, know, yeah. empire, empire Waist. Yes, yes, Empire Waist. And so um, all these girls were pregnant, and this, this gal, I asked her, she was one of the cheerleaders, you know. Oh, I and see I where this is cheerleader. You know, you know where it's going. Everybody yes. does. And I was in a cheerleader, and I was like, you know, wanting to like 
like have a have a conversation like hey it's cool we're like 10 years older yeah, like let's drop this it's been a while yeah let me have a conversation with you oh my gosh i was like w- when are you having a baby Mm-mm. and she wasn't pregnant honey was that dumb i mean that was dumb Allison. well here's the thing you only do that one time and That's... then you're like until i see crowning <laughs> <laughs> So bad. It You're is the so right, worst. though. I will. I have never done it since, and I will never do it again. Right. And and learn from me. Right. Like people like learn from me. Don't make my same mistake. You because know? the other one is, oh, when's it due? And they're like nine weeks ago. And oh you're like, gosh! Oh no, that, that so would be equally sorry. bad. Yeah, and so bad. Just, so know, like, just, was, just, should, just shush it. Yeah, just hush. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't do that. So, um, okay, but I loved you um, that night. Like that, w- that was a highlight of my night meeting you. We had oh, bonded girl. over. I guess maybe someone had kind of led us to one another. Maybe they knew that we were both in the middle of writing projects. Yeah. I had actually published Rock, Paper, Scissors, but you were in the middle of yours. Yes. And it was so humble of you. You were such a listener that night. Um, and so I knew that I liked you. And we had a lot of personality chemistry yeah. and, um, and obviously similar interests. But then since knowing you, Lisa, you shine so brightly for the Lord. Mm-hmm. You are so authentic. You are so true. Um, you tell your story. You tell it true. And I've just never met anyone like you. You are, I just haven't. You are so talented. And I will, we'll talk more about this in a second because it's kind of part of our unity story. But, um, I was able to open for you, um, one night it's, and I, that I just, I felt so at home doing that. Like I, it taught me a few things about myself. Number one is I prefer sharing a stage rather mm. than like claiming it. Mm. Um, but I would love to go before you any day of the week and be like, y'all get ready for this. Oh, I mean, girl. it is just so much fun to watch you soar. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad I'm, that was, that was a fun night that we got to do that together, you know, and you were so, you were so gracious to, mm have me there mm-hmm. and to, to open up that night in that room of, of women just to, to get to talk and talk about what, what God's doing and how we can glorify him. Mm-hmm. And you are so a fun, fun person to share. So that night actually was brought about because, um, as I have grown in maturity spiritually, it has, the Lord has pressed it on my heart weightier and weightier and weightier that, there just needs to be more concentration on unity. Mm-hmm. I think that we could do so much more uh, for the kingdom if we would link elbows instead mm-hmm. of highlighting all of our differences. And as that has grown in importance to me, um, it has actually kind of paved the way for a lot of other little tributaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if that's kind of this main you know, river that, that I've been sailing on, it's led me down a lot of interesting paths, one of them being racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. which you are married to a black man. Mm-hmm. And so um, I knew that, or I was hopeful that as I was thinking about these unity things and watching Marcus's work in that field of right. ra- racial reconciliation, it just dawned on me that if you're interested in connecting people, maybe you would be passionate about connecting people over denominational lines too. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to you, yeah, begged for an hour of your time, oh which you very enthusiastically offered me. 
and we shut down this little cafe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you just let me pour my heart out onto the table oh. and, um, and basically kind of invite you into, um, I think what is the most important part of my ministry. I will never forget that, that day either, because I remember walking away like feeling because I spent time with you and it's it so cool because like I didn't, we spent, I don't know, 15 minutes at yeah, that right, reunion. Right. And then now we're like spending this like deep, like open up, un unzip our lives, like unzip our hearts to give <laughs> yes. you credit to saying that earlier. That was so cool. Unzip our hearts, unzip our lives and like just bleh, yeah. like let it all come out, you yeah. know, like as far as like. Here's what here's what God's doing in my life. Here's what I think God could do with us together. Here's what God could mm -hmm. do. Um, here, here here's what I feel God might be able to do. Like if we were to unite on this, and and then to walk away, Allison, and just feel like so much closer to the Lord, having hung out with you and mm -hmm. having spent time with you. Because mm -hmm. what I love about you, Allison, is that like you don't. Yeah, I feel I feel like you're kind of like I don't have time. I don't have time to sit and you know be all fluffy and like, let's mm. talk surface. Hi, mm. let's, mm -hmm. let's go deep and mm -hmm. let's go let's, and let's go now, <laughs> you know, because like coming with me. Yeah, let's do it. And I, and I, I just, I just love that. And, um, you're just so easy to talk to. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I think, I think that, that God, I think that God deeply desires us to, to work together across denominational lines because like, I mean, we know this, like the denominations aren't, there's no denominations in heaven. Mm, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like mm -hmm. you, Revelation 7, 9 talks about mm. how that, you know, when he looked up into heaven and he saw all races, all creeds, mm. all nationalities, mm -hmm. all of everything mm -hmm. worshiping together. We're not mm -hmm. going to be in heaven worshiping as the Catholics over here, mm. you know, the Methodists over here, mm -hmm. the Baptists over here, the Southern Baptists over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, we're all going to be together. And so, and so, and as Jesus said, you know, here's how you pray, you know, Lord, your kingdom, your kingdom come, right? Mm -hmm. Your kingdom come down to earth. Your That's will right. be done. Right? That's right. And so let's bring a little bit of heaven down to earth. And no. part of that now right. is, now. is to do, is to do is to, is to, what do I, what do I see God, what do I see scripture saying about what heaven looks like and how do I bring that through the Lord's help, like bring that here. That's and I right. think that working together That's right. is, a, is, is one of the, is one of those things is one of the, one of those ways to do that. And so, but I think you have to get creative, right? Because I don't think that necessarily the denominations are set up to do that, mm -hmm. right? Cause we've got our, we've got our churches on all the corners and we go, we open our door a little bit and go inside and then we shut it behind us yeah. and we worship, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then everybody's doing that in their own individual places of worship. And so we have to get creative mm -hmm. with how do, how do I, how do I get outside the walls mm -hmm. of the church mm -hmm. and how do I work alongside holding hands with That's other right. denominations as the big C church as a picture of what That's heaven right. looks like. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with going into your building on Sundays and mm, getting into right. the weeds yes, with the people before. that you want to get into the weeds with and, and worshiping the way that you feel comfortable worshiping. I think that those are all beautiful things. I don't think there's a thing wrong with that. But I want to talk about Monday through Saturday instead. Mm -hmm. And so Monday through Saturday, I, I you know, I am... I say newly Catholic. I wonder when I'm going to be able to quit saying that I'm newly Catholic because it's been a decade. But um, <laughs> but I I am 
you know, kind of getting more and more entrenched and I'm finding a home, which that's a good, good thing, but I don't want to get so comfortable and so protective of what happens that day on Sunday that it keeps me um, from throwing open those doors, like you right, said, right. and really inviting others into this greater mission. Right. Because we were just talking about this earlier too, but right. these concentric circles, you know, uh-huh. our family, our domestic church, right. um, our family is where we learn to live with people who are different than us mm-hmm. and love each other because we belong to each other. Mm-hmm. We're a family. And then we can take that into m- maybe our neighborhoods. Or maybe our churches, and we figure out how to love one another, even though we're different. And then I feel like we kind of stop there. When really, I think that the concentric circles should keep going and going and going until the whole darn world is transformed by love. By our love, by our embracing people who are different than us and loving each other along the way because why we we belong to each other. The same thing we do within our four walls of our houses. Right, right. So that's the vision. That's the idea, right? And in Acts 2, you know, it talks about how, like, it wasn't that, it wasn't that, that, that the disciples and the, the followers of Christ met needs of other people who didn't know Jesus and that, and that, and that God added to their number daily those who are being saved. Mm-hmm. You know, that section mm-hmm. in Acts, Acts 2, I think mm-hmm. it's 252 mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, it was, it was that they were, they were, they were loving each other, right? That, 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 that the followers of Christ were loving each other, were working together, were meeting each other's needs. Yes. You know what I mean? And then the outside world looked in and went, Oh, oh I want some of that. I want that. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I, what if, like, what if that's the key? Mm-hmm. Like to watching people come into a relationship with God, you know, um, love Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, like is if they see us loving each other well, because what is it, what does it look like, you know, to the, to the outside world when we're all kind of doing our own little pockets of things. And, mm-hmm. but what if we were to work, work well together and love on each other and what so there do? is, there's a, there's a hindrance, there's a barrier, there's a blockage. And I've put some thought into, into what it might be, but, um, I, you know, it, really we don't want to collaborate there's something there that that keeps us huh. from reaching a, across those lines it's like we want to stand inside that smallest concentric circle and we want to be the most right and so i think that our searches for truth is obviously a good good thing but we have an enemy Mm-hmm. And we have a sneaky enemy and he manipulates good things. And so these smallest concentric circles are a manipulation of what is a good thing. Everyone has sought truth. Mm-hmm. And so, but when you get so fierce about protecting your truth, right, then um, it, be, it becomes divisive. Right. When Mm -hmm. we know that perfect love casts out fear, Mm -hmm. we do Mm -hmm. not need to be fearful. Yeah. Um, And so we have a sneaky enemy is is my point there. So I I think that we have a tendency to find what we know to be true and then beat people over the head Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Or even worse, shame people. Right. Right. You know, with, um, with, with truth. And so you know, as far as like making friends and influencing people like mm-hmm. 101, it's probably not the best method. Right. And so, um, I'm just curious what y- some of your ideas are for what these blockages might be. Like what's mm-hmm. our issue? Why do we stop at the walls of our church when mm-hmm. it comes to inviting people in, when it comes, um, to reaching across those lines anyway? Right. 
I think, and setting the world ablaze the way we're called to. I think, you know, it is, it is like, like what, kind of like what you were saying. It's, it is that I don't, I feel more, I feel comfortable. Like I want, I want to go where I think that is human nature. Comfort is right? our love language. Yeah. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. Like, like, my, like seriously, like I am an extrovert, but I also like being an introvert. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like as I'm getting older, my extroverted It's kids, man. Shits. They suck that extroversion <laughs> out of you. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so like, I like, I like the comfort mm-hmm. of my home, mm-hmm. right? It takes me like, even, even if I, it takes, it takes a lot out of me sometimes to walk across the street and check yeah. on my neighbor. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's more comfortable just to not. It's laziness. I hear you. Yeah. You're right. You know? And I think that it is the, the blockages. One of the blockages I think is this desire to be comfortable. To the, the the regularity, the rhythm of, yep. of what we've got going on. The predictability. Yes. I know exactly what's going to happen if mm-hmm. it goes this way and if mm-hmm. I do this. Mm-hmm. But gosh, if I, if I, I could, I could get, I could face rejection. Mm-hmm. What if, what if this other denomination, what if this other person isn't interested in collaboration? What if they're not interested in talking to me about God? What if, what if they tell me, what if, what if they tell me, Firmly that, that, that what I believe is wrong. Mm-hmm. That then what do I, I say? Love is wrong. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What if I don't feel I don't feel you know well versed enough in the Bible? That's right. To combat that. That's so right. So I'm, I'm afraid that they might tell me something that I believe is wrong, and I don't know what to say, and that's going to mess up my belief system. They're going to start an argument that I can't win. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, I just think, and it gets back to that most right thing. I need to be most right, yes. and that's and I know I can be most right in this building, right? Um, but the the thing about that is that it, you know, if if that's kind of your mo, then you're really only talking to people who already agree with you, who are who yes <laughs> don't need a message here, yes, right? <laughs> yes, they're not going to challenge my thinking. They're not going to make me think outside of you know. I robots. think another issue is that we have a tendency to lose sight of how holy God is. Mm-hmm. And so we think we have a tendency to think that we're down here doing great. Mm-hmm. We're down mm-hmm. here doing awesome. Mm-hmm. And the, the best correlation that I have, this cracks me up. So my husband coached T-ball. Yeah. It was a hot mess. I mean, it's, okay. you know, you have the kids running the bases backwards. Of course you have the, <laughs> you know, the flower picker, you got the cartwheeler, you got right. the hands in the pantser. I mean, you right. have all of these disasters happening yes. on the field. And so when they would get done, they would race to him and they would say, what was the score? And <laughs> Seth is like, just, I mean, it takes everything he has to not throw his head back and laugh. Are you kidding me? You just spent an hour like rolling around Picking in the butt. dirt. <laughs> yes. And you want to know what the score is? Right honey. And so he pats him on the shoulder and he says, well, we're all even out there, kiddo. We're all even out there. But I think we have a tendency to, to kind of overestimate our holiness Uh or to kind of overestimate how right we are. Uh And then, and it sends us kind of to God going, yeah, but I'm the most right. Right. Like how, how are we doing out there? Oh, uh-huh. And so when really like we are one big hot, we have, we think that we're living how he intended mm. and it's a big fat joke. Mm. And so we, we lose sight of his vision. We lose right. sight of what he intended and we just really want to know how we measure up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, the racial reconciliation thing. And I think it's so important that we reach beyond color lines and, and denominational lines, racial lines, because the way people... And even forgiveness, too. True. It's taken me down, like, some interesting forgiveness tributaries, too. 
Sorry, like what? Like what? Well, no, I don't want to. I don't want to derail you. But I'm just saying, like, as you're kind of. So if the thing is unity, uh-huh. think about the different ways that can sh- off of the unity line. Think about all. So racial reconciliation, right. forgiveness, right? Over denomination, oh, right? Like it's right. all. It's all kind of the same thing because totally. we're we're one. We are one in Christ. It's mm-hmm. like His last words to us, right? Okay, sorry. Totally. Go ahead. No, no. I I think that the the beautiful thing about about going down that tributary and reaching across these lines is that we get different pictures of what God is like, right? Mm. Yes. Right. Because if God has created all these people and they all worship different ways, God created them. So, so, so we like when, when we, when we understand how an African-American worships differently and a lot of their, like their work, their worship, their, the way they, the way they sing, they sing a lot about, you know, freedom, give me freedom, give me deliverance. Right. Well, that's, that's, that is, that is how they understand that because that's where they come from. They needed freedom from slavery. They needed deliverance from slavery, right? So they sing about that. You know, white people sing about, you know, from, from the, <laughs> from the mountaintops, right? Like, mm. like, like I'm way up here high on this mm. mountaintop. Well, that's an aspect of God too, right? Yes. This holiness, yes. high place where I get God because God is so holy and God's way up here. Well, African-Americans get that God is so like, he is a delivering God. He is a redemptive God. He is a freeing God. And so when I am opened up to all these different people and denominations and and colors, I get all these different aspects of God, right? And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. So we actually should run towards more of God by running towards, we get more of God by running towards um, people who, who don't worship look like, like us, who don't look like us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it can be an Because awesome variety serves to bring out and develop different facets of the inexhaustible riches of the gospel. Ooh. I get to know the gospel better by looking people, looking at people who see it differently than yeah. I do. Yeah. Thank you. Totally. Thank you. Thank you for showing me something I didn't know. Right. And so, but, but that requires a humility mm-hmm. and we walk around arrogant and it doesn't do any. And so I, I we, ha, we are, we're called to radiate light uh-huh. obviously, uh-huh. but we get caught up in these things that generate darkness. And just the other day, I, I, I love this person. I, I, I do, but she posted this just post about a church that hurt her, um, as a young person. And now she's in a perfect church. And so, and of course she's naming all the churches and whatever. And it just is counterproductive. Mm -hmm. It's counterproductive when we're, when what we're trying to do is heal, Mm -hmm. when what we're trying to do is bridge gaps, not, you know, burn the bridges. And so, um, I, I, I think that what that requires is a returning again and again to the cross. I think we need to remember our miracle. Right. I think we need to remember what we've been saved from and right. that we're all kind of in that together yeah. Yeah. that allows us to more humbly yeah. walk. Right. Right. And that there's not a perfect church like, like this gal. You know, there's, yes. it's, it's not perfect. And if you think it is, you haven't been going long enough. Right. Right. <laughs> Stick right. around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because behind that fourth wall, so to speak, mm-hmm. of that stage... You know, the people that are leading the church, they're, they're just sinners just like us, mm-hmm. just like everybody, right? Human institutions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and so one call out about one, one bad church for those who are having an idea of maybe they want to go to church or they may be seeking church or should I try this out? They, they may feel that all churches like all churches are bad, you know, you know, so I think we have to, we have a duty, I think to, to, you know, not, not just brush 
brush yeah. sin or brush mistakes because churches make mistakes. Yeah. We can't just brush that and say, oh, it's okay. No, we, we need, that. that's, that's going to happen. Churches are going to make mistakes, but we have to be careful with how we portray, yeah. I think. I've said this in, a, in another episode, but my husband says all the time, and I think he's quoting someone and I don't know who, but um, that there's nothing wrong in the church that can't be fixed in the church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there's something to staying in and being transformed by imperfect churches. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that, that we're that family. Yes. And we belong to each yes. other. Yes. And we're here. And we're going right. to be refined by what happens here in these walls. You know, I think that is a gr- that is great. I think that, that if we could if we could see our churches and let's just you know if we could see our churches as a family mm-hmm. and think about like my family's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Why do I expect this church family to be perfect? Mm-hmm. Why do I my my group of sinners that I live with in my home is not perfect? <laughs> Why do I expect this group of sinners to be perfect? Mm-hmm. Right? But I don't need I don't need to run away. Mm-hmm. But I need to as um, I think it's Bill Hybels. He's you know pastor up at Willow Creek Community Church and. Um, Chicago, he says, he says, if it feels funky, engage, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't run away from it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate this. This I don't like the way this, you know, this isn't working. Like, no, I'm going to engage. What, how can I help the situation? Right. Mm-hmm. How can I engage with this church family of mine mm-hmm. and make it, you know, make it, make it work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, here, and here's another issue that I think we might have. Tell me if you agree. I feel like, um, in our instruction, so whether that's sermons, homilies, in the messages that we're getting by our leaders, the tone that is being set by them, um, I feel like we we teach a lot about prudence or temperance or even morality, um, and 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 not that those are wrong things; they're not. Um, but I think they're in wrong proportion okay. to things like charity and humility and unity. And so we're getting a lot of, of these messages that we're, I, maybe it's kind of majoring in the minors and minoring in the majors, but, um, in the messages that we hear, the gospel gets reduced to these kind of secondary things. And so how wonderful would it be if from our pulpits, from, um, you know, we were hearing more about connection. Yeah. And about like connecting with people outside the walls of the church, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I think that that is... You know, I think one one of the things that I'm, I'm my husband said he said to me he's like Lisa we 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 will continue to be the same if if we stay in the same group of people but if we stretch ourselves outside mm-hmm. of the walls of the church mm-hmm. we you know we we can learn a lot from other people so you know one of the, one of the, he's he's like I think he said we will continue to stay in a, homo- a homogenous relationship. Mm-hmm. If we stay in homogenous relationships, so let's get outside of that. And he and and it gave me this idea. His his great idea gave me this you know little idea. To there's this there's this church African American predominantly African American church in our in our neighborhood. I was like, you know what? I could go and go back to my church and do Bible study at my church, mm-hmm. or I or in my neighborhood or whatever. Or I could go have do Bible study. You know, so many so many churches have like you know, like a weekly Bible study. I could go do this at, I could go to this, this Bible study at this African American church. And then I, I stretch my, my, I stretch my worship. I stretch my Mm -hmm. friendships. Mm -hmm. I stretch my understanding Mm -hmm. of God, Mm -hmm. you know, um, in, into other, into other areas and, and other, other thoughts and philosophies, you know, um, and just another, another picture of God. Um, so I totally agree with you because I, because I hear what you're saying about, about, you know, our, 
our priests or our pastors giving us instruction and whatnot, you know, and I, sometimes don't you wish you could like just say, we need to, we need to be talking about this, but they, they, they're going to talk about what's important to them. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're going to talk about what God has laid on their heart. That's and, right. and if they feel that their church is in a place where the majority of their congregants aren't self-feeding, mm-hmm. then they may be giving a lot of instruction. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, like, like, I, so I can't control what he's going to do or mm-hmm. she's going to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to control what, what, what I, I, if I want something and if I want to learn about unity or I want to learn about, um, charity, then I'm going to feed that to myself. Amen. Be right. around other people that believe yes. the same thing. Find other people that are like-minded and then dad gummit, get out there and go do it. Onus you know is I mean? on you, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can't sit around told. and wait to be spoon fed. I yeah. like it. I like it. We can That's good. Get out and do it ourselves. Good for you, girl. All right. Um, you know, I, when I think, you know, I mean, you know my heart well in this arena. You've listened to me for hours on end about it. But, you know, I think about other ways to worship. By the way, when I was on a military base, I went to the black church. It was great. Wow. I loved it so much. And they were, they loved having me there. I, I mean, it, it was really awesome. It was, they were appreciative. Yeah. Thank you. have you there. Yes. 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 Um, well, so, I, I think it's probably like that, that they recognize, they recognize that this is different for you. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, potentially, thank you, yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for braving the awkwardness, the potential awkwardness, uh-huh. right? Intimidation. Just like, yeah. yeah. Just like, I think that we, when we're at church on Sundays, we need to be aware of like, I'm as white as you can be. So I need to be aware of other African-Americans or Hispanics or Mm -hmm. people who are Indian or people who look different than me and recognize, acknowledge that they might feel funny. Mm -hmm. You know, just like someone was telling me, um, I think women who are single, Mm. um, feel, feel really funny. They have to sit Mm. by themselves Mm -hmm. and feel like sometimes surrounded by family. Yeah. And so how, how can I, how can I be Jesus and, and wrap my arms, so to speak, around people who, who are not in my same, similar, comfortable right. situation. Right. Right. How can I get outside of my comfort zone yeah. and, and, and jump into where they are? So when I was talking about racial reconciliation with Kelly Holly, episode eight, it was, that was, that was a great conversation. But one of the, um, the things that came up was we have to you know, what my biggest question to her was fine. I recognize the problem. Fine. I feel convicted. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And so as we were talking, it was like, you know, you have to widen your circles to include, you know, people of color. Right. For one. And then my contribution was we need to worship the Lord together. Yeah. We need to break mm-hmm. bread together. Yeah. We need to worship the Lord. And so as I was saying, like, you know, my heart in this, mm-hmm. I want to worship the Lord with Protestants. I want in one big room arena, what have you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> dream big room or arena. Pick one. I want it to be 50% Catholic and I want it to be 50% Protestant and I want us to worship the Lord together. Wow. And I, I, I believe in it and I think mm-hmm. it can happen, but you know, we have to be able to enter into dialogue the way that Jesus entered into dialogue with the Samaritan woman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we have to be able to cross any line, right. no matter the line, right. whether it's ethnicity, 
whether it's regional, whether it's gender, whether it's denominated, what is the line? Yeah, yeah. I'm crossing it. Right. And I'm making myself available. I'm humbling myself. And it is all about seeing God in another person. It's the only way. And I think, too, it is, if you don't mind me saying so, I think it's refusing to see that there's a line at all. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That there, we belong to each other. Yeah. In our family. There is no line. Right. There is no line. W- what, is this, what is this line? There's, there, there is no line. Amen. God doesn't see a line. Nope. You know? And so, and so it's, it's like, it's like kicking the idea of the line to the I curb. I like it. We're erasing lines. You no, know, erase the lines. I love you, let's girl. Let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do it. Let's light up the dark corners of this world. Yes. All Screw together. All right. I love you, Lisa Lloyd. Love By the too. way, this, this will come up a lot in the mini episode, but Lisa Lloyd wrote a book. It's called Chasing Famous. And if you don't buy it, so sad for you. Um, where can they get your book, Lisa? You can get it on Amazon. You can get it wherever books are sold. Wherever books are sold. Yes. Lisa Lloyd. It's in Lifeway stores. It also. Is. It yes. is. Um, and just keep an ear out for Lisa Lloyd and Erin and I because she's about to be everywhere. And I'm so honored to call you friend and sister. Oh, I love you, girl. girl. Likewise. I love you. Amen. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hi, BP. Hi, BP. So you're here for a little Harvey respite. Houston for just only what's going to be 24 hours, but to just kind of recharge and um, fill back up so that I can go back to Houston and pour pour out. Pour out. Um, it has been completely devastating to see our hometown underwater, um, but there is always, always, always silver linings, and um, it has been breathtakingly beautiful watching the people come together. And I feel like that has gotten so much media attention and makes me feel so proud to be a Houstonian. Um, We did not talk about what we're going to talk about here, so I'm telling just off the cuff here that um, that is true and that is beautiful and that could make me ball right now. Here we go. Me too. (laughs) But um, I'm a little bit uncomfortable about the messages that are out there because the truth is the way that I've been articulating it to the extent that I can understand it, appreciating that I don't understand it all, is that what I think right now on this day in Houston is a third of the people are back to their normal life. Their communities are dry and they work and worship and go to the grocery store in that dry community. And then a third of the people are feeling paralyzed and lost and completely overwhelmed because there's so much to do um, for others, and it's there's a lot of information out there, and it's just overwhelming to figure out who and how to help most effectively. And then there's a third of the people that are completely devastated. There, mm-hmm. there were new evacuations yesterday, and mm-hmm. so while the news has needed to move on to something else, and on a lot of our hearts and minds have had to move on to something else, the truth is that there are a lot of people that have just begun their Harvey experience. That there was flooding once the rains had moved out of Houston, and so. 
Um, well, of course, I always want to celebrate a blessing and be mindful about that, and I think that's the only way to survive. I also don't want to disrespect the people that have not gotten to a place where they can see a rainbow yeah. yet. Well, it's just not the full story. Right. It's, we have to tell the full story. And speaking of that, you know, telling the full story, I feel like, I don't know if, if the, these types of things have showed up in your feed, but Harvey, Hurricane Harvey was pretty, cl- I mean, back to back with Charlottesville. Right. Like our country was just tearing each other apart. Right. And now this Harvey thing happens and we're linking elbows <laughs> and, uh, you know, black men are carrying white women through the water and white men are holding their hats over, you know, black ladies' heads and in the rain. And, you know, there's all of these, these people coming together. And so with those beautiful images of people taking care of people, um, I've been getting a lot of posts in my feed that are saying things like, um, we won't let the media tell us that we're hateful. We're not hateful. We're not divided. We're not all of these things. And there's a little bit of the full story that, that you were just talking about that kind of rises up in me that says, wait, 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 let's not dismiss what we're capable of in either direction. We are capable of horrific, evil things as people. We are fallen and broken. And we are also capable of very, you know, beautiful comings together because we are also divine. And so how can we not need a natural disaster to live like that every day is the real question. Right. I think you're always better with imagery and words than I am, but I feel like it's like Harvey is an opportunity to see something new. Like you said, to see what we're capable of. It's not a justification or if that's not the right word either, but or, um, it's not a but see there, there was never an issue. Because it's not an eraser. Exactly. Hurricane Harvey is yes. not an eraser, right. a magic eraser. Um, okay, so here is our question from our listener for this episode about unity. She says, my, so- my social circles consist mostly of the people that I go to church with, yet I feel strongly about unity. At this stage in my life, being a busy mother, this social circle is simply the easiest for me. Do you have any advice on how to diversify my social circles at this stage in the game? Um, I, so, first of all, I've asked this question, so I don't want to sound like um, I'm being mean or, or something. My synapses aren't connecting. I can't talk right now. (laughs) Um, But I have asked this question myself. But I have to admit that when I ask it, it feels a little thorny to, like, scan your friend group and be like, oh, wow, look, I'm missing an engineer. I could could really use a Methodist. Or Uh. I could really use a person of different color here and different, different color here. I don't know. It just feels a little dehumanizing to, you know, kind of plug someone in as a stand-in, you know, to represent right. all non-white people or right. to represent all Methodists or to represent yeah. all Protestants or Catholics or whatever. So, um, I hear you, but I feel like you have to be intentional because like you said, or like, yeah. like she said, like we well, are busy and you have only so much time in the day. And if your community and your church is a certain whatever color or faith or 
socioeconomic status or whatever, you have to be intentional about getting outside of that. I think. Okay, because right. Okay, I like it because which is worse, asking this thorny question that feels right. a little dehumanizing, or you know, being friends with people who reinforce who you already are. Right. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, like the thing that comes to my mind right now is that my son goes to a really diverse school. I don't know. Tell me if I'm getting off of unity onto diversity because those are different. Mm -hmm. But, um, Mm -hmm. like it's very easy to play with people that are similar to us in all areas. And, and then there's people that don't look like him or don't worship like him that I want to connect with. But like culturally, like playdates don't happen the same way. So it's just not easy and it's awkward and it's weird and I don't want to do it the wrong way. So guess Mm -hmm. what I've done? An entire school year without doing it. Right. Thinking about it, having it at the forefront of my mind, smiling bigger at school, Mm -hmm. you know, having more conversations when Mm -hmm. we're at school, but I have not invited Mm -hmm. somebody to my home because I don't know if that's weird. And why don't I just do it? And if they think it's weird, they can tell me it's weird and then nothing has changed. A lot of times I cannot understand the choices that you... Not you, Beefy, but you, someone, <laughs> make in a certain moment. But if I know your story, yes. I, I can get it every right, single right. time if I take the time to ask your story. And so there's there's interest in just approaching people on a bridge built of interest and well wishes and longings for glimpses of God and others. That's what Jesus did. Okay. Amen. Love you, Beefy. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Lubelle is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened. And now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubelle win the internet day after day. There are three guys that have been sleeping in tents in the Wells Fargo parking lot around the corner from my house. They are from Tennessee, and while watching with horror the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, saw the need for, there is actually no other way to put it, big-ass trucks in Houston to get through the floodwaters. Each packed a backpack, jumped in their monster truck they used for hunting and camping, and drove on down to Texas. I asked them one night if they needed anything, from doing their laundry to dinner from Pollo Bravo across the way. Nope, they were just happy to be there, happy to help, and continued to pray for all of us. I did the one thing I could think of that night, My husband and I went to Marble Slab and got them ice cream. They were delighted. But my new friends were not the only ones. Hundreds of men and women from all over the country came with boats, canoes, massive trucks to aid their Texan neighbors. They took time off of work and time with their families to save ours. From Louisiana to Oklahoma, crud, I even laughed for five minutes when I heard read a herd of people from Wisconsin were heading to Houston with a mini ark and a ton of cheese. Our friends in the South came in from Mexico to assist with no walls or boundaries in what they could do for us. It was incredible to watch. They came with smiles, compassion, and open hearts and managed to hide their capes or the white horses they rode in on. So, random man from another state who worked selflessly and courageously to help Houston We thank you. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You deserve a statue, but right now, we just give you good grace. From the book of Hebrews, 
continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. My granddaddy was a coach and he always said this phrase, coming together is a beginning, keeping together is a progress, working together is success. I always assumed that those words were his own. Now that I'm older, I assume that they aren't, but it doesn't make them any less true as they ring through my memories. I believe him because he seemed to have the keys to many aspects of life. I've never been much good at working together, but when I get out of here, it's the first thing I'm going to try. Lean on people, let them lean on me. Maybe together we can get something good done. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. Dear God, if the Holy Spirit is alive and well inside of us, then it should look different. Please help us, God, lend us your holiness so that we might tap into the divinity within us and live not as the world lives, bickering, posing, ascending standing the tallest, pointing our fingers, shouting the loudest. Instead, God, we come to you humbly and we ask for your help to do this Christian life better, more nobly, closer to your peaceful and unifying intentions. Every day, God, not just in the midst of tragedy, but every day, give us the grace to love the neighbor who sees things differently than us, Lord, especially the Christian, our Christian neighbors. You have told us that this is how you will be known, by our being one. But we need you, God. This is a level of holiness that requires dependence. The easy things, those things we can do on our own and we can go about our lives feeling impressed with ourselves and accomplished. But here, God, we need your power. Work freely in our midst, God. You are welcome here. Help us to be one. We ask this in your precious Son's name, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the power of Christ And for this episode, a special thank you to Wynn Elder in the Haven, Lisa Lloyd, Andrea Buck, Regan Tullett, Lorita Keeler, Kristen Kelly, Lubel Cruz Gaelic, Pamela Anthony Cutright, Brian Federal Prison Camp, and please go out and get a copy of Chasing Famous and follow Lisa Lloyd as she lives out her purpose, making God famous.